You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we are back. Ira is in Cleveland. Woo, I think. We did it. Yeah, we got rid of him. <laughs> it's Lewis and I holding it down with a very special guest, Miss Kelly Carter of the Undefeated, of of years of celebrity <laughs> coverage and and working too hard. Thank you. I'll take all of that, all especially of the working too hard. <laughs> but I'm very happy to be here. You weren't working too hard last night, though, were you? I was Where doing were you? the exact opposite of working too hard. I was at the Avengers premiere last night. Ooh. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, my best advice is don't drink I was gonna say. anything before you go. It's like almost three and a half hours No, it's long. like war and peace. Yeah, it's, did it, it, did it feel like it needed to be that long? It did not. No, it could definitely be trend. Okay. It could be. I mean, but I will say this. I mean, Every scene that you see is so essential to the film that you're not going to... There's no running out to, like, pee right quick and run back in. Yeah, that's my biggest thing, especially because so many of these superhero movies, I, like, 70% know what's happening anyway. And so I feel like if I leave, I'm going to come back and it's like... I'm yeah. gonna really not gonna know You're what's like, going on. You're like Batman. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. I missed him announcing it. <laughs> when I watch these movies, I'm constantly forgetting the stakes. I'm like, wait, so is the world ending? <laughs> so like, I forgot. This one, it's um, you know what I keep wanting to call him Theranos because he's on my mind, <laughs> but Thanos, Thanos right? Yeah. He like snapped his fingers and erased Eliminated half the people half in the, the people. world. Yeah. He's like Salt Bay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, although I have to say, so the whole conceit, he's like. Supposed to be sort of an anti-hero. Like he, the the world is overpopulated. And so he's like, we don't have enough resources and shit. Right. Isn't that part of it? And so he's like, I'm getting rid of half the people. I, I feel like he's just a dick. I mean, you know what I mean? Because I, I don't know if it's the the resources. Because remember, he's not even from Earth. That's what I thought. He's from like. Maybe I don't know what's happening. I thought it was something like to save the universe. There are just too many people. So he's he thinks he's helping by getting rid of half of them. Right. Although couldn't he just have made another plan? It. He had all those rocks. That's what I stone feel like. Things. The, the Infinity These Stones. These people are rarely stones. logical. I, yeah. I, they they truly are. But I mean, the film the film is great. I liked it a lot. Um, I think that if you are a fan of films like this, you will there will be some type of emotion that you will feel. That said, the woman sitting next to me, mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, girl, what funeral are you? Was she crying? Balling, no, like, full on at the Avengers. Balling oh at the Avengers. God. I wanted to be like, what biopic do you think that this yeah. is? <laughs> like, is this not real? Like, it's so not real that there are like skeleton aliens walking around zapping shit. Like, this yeah. is not real, honey girl. But she was bawling. I mean, I ran into people afterwards who were like, oh my god, I cried. I teared up like four times in the film. I'm like, you did. Like, I feel like yeah. I love this Have you film. seen Philadelphia? I mean, you know. <laughs> right? I'm like, have you watched, you know, CNN? Like, yeah. I, I, cry, <laughs> I cry from that, but I'm like, okay. That yeah. is, that is pretty bonkers. Yeah. 
Um, Do you know I, who in this movie I stand? I think the only person in the movie I really stand, though I am coming around on this Tom Holland figure. Ooh. Is he he's Spider-Man? He's Spider-Man. Yes, yeah. But my real favorite is Elizabeth Olsen. Does she get anything to do? Scarlet Witch. I'm I I'm not going to give away anything okay. because remember in the last film, she was one of the people who got vaporized. Away. Yeah. Can yeah. I tell you something? So when I watched the whatever the Avengers was before this, <laughs> and I went like on a Tuesday, I went to a matinee. I like to get a bagel and then I'll go to the movie at, like 11 a.m. Right. And at the Grove. And so I'm watching it. And so all of most of them I know, like I know Spider-Man, I know the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then they got to Paul Bettany and which Olsen is a skin, Elizabeth. Yeah. Paul Bettany just has like a rock in his head and he's red. And I was like, I don't know what your powers are. And then Elizabeth Olsen would just go like vroom and like shit would fly from her hands. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, I I don't know. Is that like fire? Like, I don't know what that power is. I mean, she's like, like a witch with some fire. And it was, has she had her own movie? Did I no, just miss no, it? No, no, she has. So that's not fair. They right. should have, ex- they, there should have been a, although that movie was very long, a brief intro into when she put her hands up and things, there was like yeah. light from it. I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't. Throw a blurb on the screen, a la pop-up Yeah, video. I'm like, <laughs> can that kill someone? Actually, actually, this film could have used some pop-up <laughs> video. And I mean, again, I've watched every Avengers yeah. and Marvel film or whatever. But even in Thrum, I mean, we were we were those black people at the movie theater talking throughout the entire. Right. I was like, girl, what do you, what do you say? Exactly. What was that? What is that? And then my, my friend, she would be like, okay, so remember in the 2012 film when so-and-so whispered? And I'm like, I do not. Of course not. Any of this. I went no. ahead and lived. So. Right. I don't. So this uh, this movie could have benefited from a little pop-up video action. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the last movie, I, I don't think I'm going to cry. I'm going to go ahead and go on the record and say, I mean, I don't think I'm going to cry at the Avengers. But an, a movie that I saw recently called Someone Great, I did cry with that. And we have mm. the writer and director, Jen Robinson, on the podcast today. Yay. Who sometimes goes by Jennifer Robinson, which threw me because I refer to her as Jen in Also, my life. The, the lead <laughs> character in the movie, Gina Rodriguez, plays Jenny. Right. So ah. it was a lot. But um, it was it's very sweet. We will get into that. I'm very excited. I teared up. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it a lot, actually. And not because it felt... Like my life in some small small way. (laughs) And uh, we're also going to talk about, unfortunately, uh, George Zimmerman on the other side of love. Uh, Mm. Who we stand. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Who is uh, getting kicked off some dating apps for being a piece of shit. If you can believe it. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) We will be right back. Easter came early last week when Queen Bee blessed us by releasing not one, but two major projects. First was Homecoming, her Netflix documentary, which documented uh, the preparation of her Coachella set last year. She officially turned Coachella into Beachella. By the way, it's not Baychella, it's Beachella. Her yeah, name is Beyonce. Is. Mm-hmm. People, can we finally all get on board with that? Uh, she also released a live album of the performance. Beyonce was the first black woman to headline the festival since it began in 1999. It was a performance that highlighted black culture, paid homage to HBCU specifically. Those are historically black colleges and was, I'm going to say, one of the best live performances in the history of live performances. Of all time, absolutely. It yeah. was like sustained exhilaration. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. For, for the most part, she really picked up-tempo songs, but for, I mean, it just, there was not a lull. Even when she, like, went off stage and there were, like, acts in between, it wasn't annoying. You and know? so in the in the, in the the documentary, one of, so it, it's the, I'm sure you have seen it by now. 
if you're listening to this. So, I'm gonna say, um, who are you? Who are you? you? Haven't seen him. But it, you get to see the whole Coachella performance, and there's some incredible editing between the two weekends. Um, which one also made me realize like the precision where like you can't tell the difference between the two weekends other than that her hair and the coloring and the color of, the of, the, of the costumes are different. Yeah. But also the preparation that went into it. They did eight months of rehearsal for the show. Yeah. And she they started with her choreography with the music um, and they go through just how they selected everything from the conceit to what we finally saw. And it was just an unbelievable achievement, an enormous amount of work on her part, on everyone's part. And really, you know, Beyonce is, is very selective about what we get to see. Mm. And this was, you know, obviously still edited and chosen and, and, and all of that, but very carefully (laughs) created, but it is the most that we've seen. And like, I think it was really seeing how hard she works. Like we can see her performances and you're like, wow, it seems like that was very hard, but this is the first time we're like, you're seeing her like give notes on lighting. You're seeing her give criticism and make, and make selections on shit that you probably did not think she had anything to do with, like the material of the risers on her show. And you really understand how meticulous and excellent she is at what she does. And also how explicit she was about the intention of it. Like I thought she kept going through, you know, I want it, you know, people who normally don't see themselves on a stage like this to feel seen. And she talked about uh, how she always wanted to go to an HBCU, but that Destiny's Child was in fact her college experience. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I mean, not that this needs to be stated, but when Kelly and Michelle appeared in both sets of outfits, I think, but they really like did give me life. They just so felt like her actual sisters out of like coming yeah. here to be like, we're still obsessed with her. She's, we know she's like the queen of the world and we still effing love her. And the three songs they did were the perfect trio of songs for them to do. I agree. You know, I thought this was actually really generous of Beyonce, this whole documentary. Not that she hasn't been giving before. I think, you know, the HBO documentary, she definitely gave us something that we mm-hmm. don't normally get to see. But even at that point, she wasn't the Beyonce that she is today when she did that mm-hmm. documentary. So what I really loved about it was when she said the day that she gave birth to her twin, she had topped that at 218 pounds. Mm. And then from there, she basically takes you on this journey of her getting back to, you know, because homecoming obviously was this double entendre, um, coming back home to the stage, like how she really put in the work, soul cycle, dancing eight hours a day, mm. burning 2000 calories a day, like the quest for perfectionism. But it made me, because I feel like we kind of have elevated Beyonce to this goddess-like status because of course, but it made her very human to see her in these moments, to hear her talking about breastfeeding or trying to become, figure out how to become a mother of a six-year-old and newborn twins mm-hmm. and a wife and a pop superstar and so on and so on and so on. I really loved that she gave us the human sides of herself because we have done this, not she has done this, but we have elevated her to an almost untouchable type of status. And so that's one thing that I kind of really walked away loving about this documentary. And, you know, she talked about, too, her pregnancy was very difficult. And so, like, one of the things I I think that hopefully people have been talking about more is, like, specifically Black women in pregnancy, and Mm -hmm. we are, like, 200% times more likely to die than white women when they give birth. And it doesn't matter if you have money or not, which is the fucked up part of it, as we remember with Serena Williams. Um, But she, she had high blood pressure. She was giving uh, one of the babies, she said, their heart, his, his or her, their heartbeat stopped. Mm-hmm. And so she had to do an emergency C-section. And so she had major surgery and then her coming back mm-hmm. to get to where she was physically. And it felt like to me, she showed that too, because it's not just 
you know, when you see her like in an outfit and like, oh, the body looks good or like she's going vegan because she wants to be thin, that or the other, like she Mm -hmm. is performing for hours at a high level and singing something that most of almost no one is doing that. There is pretty much no one who is singing at that level and dancing as much as she's doing. And that is stamina. And that's something you have to be in shape for. That's something you have to train for. And all of those dancers, it's like you realize like, oh, this is this was a lot of work. And so I didn't take, I know there were people were just like, oh, she's talking about not eating any food. First of all, she was like, I'm hungry. She right. didn't. She wasn't <laughs> right. like recommending this diet, but no. it was like, oh, she does that for a reason. Yeah. But that's a lot of work. And it's not, it's not depriving herself because for vanity reasons, it's depriving herself because that's, that's what athletes have to do. That's what like, that's self, that's discipline. Absolutely. Also, I would just say about the kinds of vocals she was capable of doing yeah. Live. Okay, this is a bizarre reference. Work with me. <laughs> Do you remember the Pussycat Dolls song Buttons? Yeah. Oh, you yes. know how in the middle of the song uh, they go, "Baby, can't you see?" And it's like this, like kind of like a very <laughs> saucy vocal. Yeah. I remember when I heard that the first time, thinking, "I've never heard like sassiness expressed that way before." Mm. Beyonce's specifically the past two albums, but really most of them. I really think she finds new ways to like express sauciness or sexuality that are like funny or like witty or strange. And really like, you know, think of the way she says a billion dollars in the elevator, things like that, that she can then reproduce that live while doing, you know, the most complicated robotized. Acrobatics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's very crazy. the interesting thing is it's not new stuff. It's stuff we haven't seen from her. Right. That's just like very black swag. Right. That's what that is. Right. And it's seen Beyonce who's become more like I, I walked out of that documentary. I was like, no one loves black people nor than Beyonce loves black people. Yeah, I was I, like, you actually, she, we saw it together. We you saw, said that to me when we walked out. Actually. I was like, man, this woman loves <laughs> black people. And, <laughs> and, you know, the like, so a question, Lewis, when you watched it, did you understand? Because like when I saw when you see her, when I saw the drum line, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, oh, we're going there because mm-hmm. I know what the drum line is. And then as soon as you saw that big band yeah. and the hoodie, and, you know, in the, in the, in the yeah. Greek letters, you were like, oh, you, we kind of knew where she was going. I'm wondering if someone who I assume you're somewhat less familiar with HBCU, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if when you were sort of understanding where she went or if it took the documentary to really grasp the references. Oh, well, as you know, I went to Spelman. Yes. So, yeah. Um, no, I, well, I mean, she eventually explicitly stated, oh, growing up, this was like the highlight of my year, seeing these yeah, bands right. like this. Yeah. But no, I didn't really know of it as like a specific, like black cultural yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for me, I, I mean, she said that she wanted people to feel seen that don't normally feel seen. And I felt that in several different ways. My dad went to an HBCU undergrad. He pledged. He's an alpha. So, you know, she had like a, a kind of a probate show, which mm-hmm. is a, a coming out of sorts when you are kind of underground secretly pledging a fraternity. And I loved it so much because I would often be dragged to classics or step shows mm-hmm. or Battle of the Bands over the years, especially when you grow up in the Midwest, because uh, the highest concentration of HBCUs are in the South and Southeast. And so they would come to like Indianapolis or Detroit or Chicago and put on these grand Battle of the Bands performances so that the people who had relocated can go and kind of relive that. And that was such a big part of my childhood. And culturally, that was something that every Thanksgiving we go to the Turkey Day Classic in Montgomery, mm-hmm. Alabama. And I love that she really kind of used this as a teaching tool Mm -hmm. to not only um, 
showcase something that is very specific to African-American culture and in some cases, Southeastern Mm African-American culture, but also to educate people who don't know what a probate show is, Mm -hmm. who don't know what Battle of the Bands is or the majorettes and the drumline. Like, I thought it was so well done. I think one of the things that she's very deliberate about is making Black art seem artistic. Like in that you're going to understand the artistry behind what these people are doing. When you see a drumline, and I think that was part of what the documentary was, was like, you may think when you, you know, like... and this is this is maybe a racist person or I don't, you know, someone sort of ignorant. But like, I do think there are people that are like, well, black people know how to dance. And so when they see them dancing well, yeah. they're just like, well, they know how to do that. Right. And it's like, no, that takes work and training yeah. and is very difficult. Absolutely. And so there's a lot of what she does where it's like you think it's something that is just, you know, part of it is there in the culture. But I, she, you, you see it as something that's like an actual art form in a way that a lot of black art does not get treated that way. Mm-hmm. Did you have specific favorite moments? Because I think here's where I'm at. This is like my main takeaway, I think, from the mm-hmm. whole show. I don't think you can argue that Get Me Bodied is anywhere below her top five. I think it's like an essential. Oh, that has always been. When I was ever, yeah. I was ever at a party and you, you when you could tell they were playing the extended version, <laughs> right. it was like, oh, it's you're, happening. You're your weed. Yeah, you're right like, out the dance like, Honestly, that part was so great because remember Solange came yeah. out? Oh, yeah. And that was I, I almost felt like we were seeing what it was like for the two of them growing up together. Because Solange co-wrote that song. Yes. Yeah. And when they like dance and they kind of fall together in laughter at the end, I felt like we were watching like a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old mm-hmm. Beyonce and Solange back in Houston. Like that's kind of what it felt like to me, getting a little sneak peek through back. Look at that. I feel like I have to separate my favorite. I think my favorite moment was just like, it's that everybody mad breakdown, which is Mm -hmm. just like, it's like one of the now most iconic dance moments that we have. Like I like, it's just, it's so good. And it's also her just being like, oh, I can dance. And, (laughs) and if you notice in the documentary, when um, they have her and she's like, you know, 94 days postpartum or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she goes for her first rehearsal uh, for the show. And that's the choreography they're doing. Yeah. So that was something that was like day one. She knew she wanted to either use that song. Yeah. And it was something that then you realize like, oh, she's been working on that for eight months. So here's the other thing too. And this is probably super nuanced and super specific, but you know, she talked about how her daddy went to Fisk and she grew mm-hmm. up watching this. Her dad also is a member of Omega Sci-Fi fraternity. Mm-hmm. And she literally stepped the way that the cues step. And mm-hmm. I thought that that's, to me, it was like she grew up seeing her dad's fraternity step in this very specific way and it's all in the facial expression too and that's literally what she did in that performance which again it's super nuanced but I thought it was so great because if you know the different styles of how different fraternities and sororities step and move then you got that like immediately and I thought that was so dope but my favorite part actually I think was seeing like some of the thick plus size girls in the league. Oh my God, dancing. people. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I love that. And uh, like Alabama State, they have this line of dancers called the Honeybees and uh-huh. they're all plus size women who when they come out there in the middle of the halftime show and put on a show, they sh- I think they had a reality show for a minute, uh-huh. but they shut it all the way down. And it's great because it's body positive and it's just 
awesome. Yeah. Also, there's something about Beyonce doing an homage to any older style of dance that is mm. immediately novel. Like, for example, in the Get Me Bodied video, she shouts out Rich Man's Frug, which is a dance directed by Bob Fosse that Gwen Verdon did, which was just recreated on the show Fosse Verdon. Mm. And in the Single Ladies video, she does a part of a number called Mexican Breakfast, which was also danced by Gwen Verdon. Gwen Verdon is like a red-haired, white Tony <laughs> winner. But when Beyonce does these moves, one, it's a, a, an homage. But to see those moves come out of her, it's a completely other thing. Now, you know, Beyonce is an interpreter, you know, like she's so naturally amazing that we forget that she when she chooses to sing anything or when she chooses to dance anyway, it's like, well, now she owns it in a cool way. And now more people get to know about this fucking amazing thing. (laughs) I'm, I'm also at a point with her after this documentary. One, it's just like you know, when you realize how long they've been working on it, how Mm. hard she worked, I feel like it's one thing if her music is not for you, but I will be goddamned if anyone ever says some shit about her not being one of the best performances ever had. Because there are so many people that still like to be those just like contrary, like contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. uh, Yeah, Yeah. just like, well, she's not that great. And it's like, I mean, she is. You don't have to like the music. (laughs) She's above taste. She's above taste. She is. And, And everyone knows it. And like all of her peers know it you know what i mean like you don't Mm -hmm. hear you don't hear people who are good at what they do who are great musicians and dancers or whatever like brushing their nose up at her you know what i mean like they are all just like no she's incredible and i think this movie i think after this it's like if you don't get it you'll never get it and like that sucks for you because it's incredible hard agree i mean she's definitely in the conversation for being the greatest of all time and i think this movie is like the pin in that conversation well the other thing is you realize how she's what 37 yeah like <laughs> she's so young i was gonna say Man. she she mentioned being 22 years into her career just for comparison 23 years into elvis's career he was dead <laughs> well, well damn yeah i'm just saying it's like and by the way she's not in her fat elvis stage yeah. you know what i'm saying no she you know and I think, too, one of the things that that comes out to when Beyonce does something is you see in particular, you see black women just so happy. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think a lot of people use that to try to put water on it because, God forbid, we're happy about something. <laughs> um, but the th- How dare you? Th- right. But the thing about Beyonce and also I think I wrote about this when I wrote about A Seat at the Table with Solange's album is they really make you feel seen in a way that Mm -hmm. a lot of other artists either don't or haven't been allowed to. And so with Homecoming, it was just this, like, I see you to black people. Like, I see you, I feel you, I'm with you. I love you. I respect what you do. Mm -hmm. And if you can't relate to that, it's just like, I don't know what to tell you. And that's why she inspires the emotions that she does because we've, you don't have anyone at that level who looks at black women so specifically and it's just like, I'm you and I'm with you. Absolutely. We don't have anyone like that. Nope. Thank God for Beyonce. Yeah. Or or thank Beyonce for Beyonce. <laughs> thank, Beyonce thank Beyonce for Beyonce. <laughs> now we'll move on to another excellent woman. Ooh. Because we're all about, well, Lewis, you're here. Uh, I'm all about women too, arguably. That, arguably. No, actually, not even arguably. <laughs> I'm going to say, name <laughs> one man I'm about. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk to Jen Caden Robinson about her new film, Someone Great, as well as the Time 100, which we have... Michelle Obama and uh, Brett fucking Kavanaugh. <laughs> Keep it is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis. Yes. When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, 
Is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Well, here's my favorite activity on Earth. A magazine ranked people. (laughs) It's how I process information best. It's the Time 100 Most Influential People, which is broken down into several categories. There's entertainers on the list. There's politicians. I would actually break this down in terms of people I love, people I am intimidated by, and then people I hate. As I, I would say how the list goes down, because you've got Christine Blasey Ford. You also have Brett Kavanaugh. Ah. You have 
Glenn Close. Yeah. You also have Mitch McConnell. Uh, so it's a mixture of feelings, <laughs> and most of them make you want to throw up. <laughs> Here with us uh, to discuss this list is one, a friend of mine, but two, uh, a very rad person named Jen Caton Robinson, who just Hello. wrote and directed a movie called Someone Great. It's on Netflix right now. She also uh, uh, is the creator of the beloved uh, MTV series Sweet Vicious, All my, also my favorite flavor of Pringles. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And uh, thank you for uh, absorbing this incredible list with us. Jen, do you have any first impressions on the Time 100 and who is on it and who isn't on I it? I mean, I really feel like I think I said keep it to my phone when I saw Brad Kavanaugh on this list. Right. I yeah. think I. it's just, what are we doing? The phone should have ejected from your hand. Yeah, it yeah. did. I just threw it across Ghostbuster the room. Yeah, style. the phone said keep it. Right. Like, <laughs> which is crazy. The, uh, the other thing is these... The categories are odd. So you have Tiger Woods as a titan, and you have Michelle Obama as an icon, and then you have, like, leaders. Like, what's the difference between icon and titan? And I don't know. Like they threw a lot of athletes into titans, which is just so they big and strong. Like, but why don't they just call them athletes? Yeah. 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 And then you have artists, um, Rami Malek, which is... A decision. Yeah. Uh, and up and <laughs> okay. But yeah, like no these just feel there. like these feel like the categories are weird. Um, there was not a lot of surprises either. Like I feel like this list is um this list to me has become about the gala. It's become about that group of people getting together and like yeah. look at all of us. Um, because like, are you surprised that Michelle Obama is one of the most influential people in the world? Yeah, right. Was that? Yeah, like no, a no. Shocker? I'm no. happy to see no. a new photo of her. I mean, like, I don't know what to say about that. Like Sandra O, oh, I'm like, yes, yeah, a hundred percent. You know what yeah. was really nice when Shonda Rhimes was on the list? Sandra O oh wrote her blurb for her and then now Sandra yeah. O was on the list and Shonda Rhimes wrote the blurb about her which is very nice. very like that that's is, very sweet yeah. that is very sweet um, and one, it's a nice full circle I was gonna say one thing that is a little bit disappointing about this list is generally speaking the blurbs are too short and like a little trite I know it's fun that we get people to like famous people that luminaries their friends to write about them but for example, there's this guy, Ninja, who is just the world's greatest Fortnite player. And then the blurb about him Wait, is, is just, that a video game? Yeah. And somebody else somebody else wrote about him, wow, he's really good at Fortnite. I mean, just there's Wait, not much information put, there. They put someone good at a video game next to fucking Tiger Woods That's and correct. Michelle Obama and like... Sandra yeah. O. That's was the guy who was good at Fortnite a Titan or who can say? Who he's, can say? He's a he's a pioneer. I have it pulled up. Oh, he's a thank you. Yeah, he's a pioneer, and this is his picture, uh, which will surprise no one. Oh, yeah, no, that's exactly I, what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. somebody who asked you for Molly at Co Coachella. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yes. Um, also, my I mean, not my favorite, but you had Chris Christie write the blurb for Donald Trump. Chris Christie. Not man, humiliating at all. Yeah, I'm like, the way that these men will debase themselves for this fucking buffoon <laughs> is bonkers to me. Like, Chris Chris Christie, did you really need the look of that blurb that bad? Like, was that really something that was that important to you to be Chris, like? I was trying to figure out why he wrote it, too. Also, the blurb that he wrote, to me, it felt a little shade-like. Wait, North yeah. Korea, you want to yeah. hear, here's a, here's a bit. North Korea has become a nuclear power. President Trump decided to ramp up sanctions early in his tenure, which other presidents have done, but decided to take a very different tack thereafter. So he what failed? What did you just say? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Chris, Actually, I will accept that. If he wrote that with shade in mind, like, well done. Then maybe that was you the thing. You know he didn't. Chris I know. Christie? 
No, Chris Christie is like the girl at brunch when everyone's like, you gotta stop texting him. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, like, like, Chris Christie got taken to brunch on Sunday and everyone, all the white men were like, yo. Even, even, <laughs> even so Mitt not calling you. <laughs> Mitt Romney was like, I've been there. Like, he's already done this to me, girl. Like, we like, told, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Stop hanging and calling up because caller ID. Yeah. You know, don't do it. Marco Rubio's in tears, like, triggered by the whole experience. Like, don't. <laughs> I've been there too. <laughs> well, speaking of brunch, I feel like your movie, it was like mm. going to brunch while one of my friends was really depressed, but the rest of us just wanted to keep getting drunk and yeah. like kind of try to make her feel better. Yeah. Which is, I assume, the I vibe you were like, going yeah, for. Yeah, that's exactly the vibe I was going for. So Someone Great is about, it stars Gina Rodriguez, who is excellent. Yeah, she's really um, Like it was, I, this is, this is going to sound sort of obnoxious, but I feel like as a writer, like I've become a lot more cognizant of when actors are very good because you're just like oh it's easy to see people mess up material and you see someone like even make it better but she was excellent but Gina Rodriguez and Lakeith Stanfield are going through a breakup yeah and it's it is rough yeah it's a rough breakup and DeWanda Wise and Brittany Snow play Gina's best friends and they kind of like pick her up and it's her last day kind of moving through New York and having a time with her best friends and through that you have these sense memory triggers mm-hmm. uh, and you see pieces of the relationship yeah. with Gene and Lakeith that just ended. Yeah. Speaking of triggers, <laughs> this movie was very triggering for me <laughs> as a former music journalist who got her dream job to move across the country. But what I really loved about it is that I don't think we see this age group of women mm-hmm. um, being explored a lot in film. And I really love that, like, usually the figuring it out and finding yourself happens when you're just coming out of your teenage years, I feel like in movies. But yeah, this 100%. was right before you hit 30. That's like a real, that's like some tough shit to deal with. And I don't think that we've really seen a lot of that in movies before. So kudos for that. I really liked exploring those dynamics. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like that's when shit actually gets real. And yeah. you're like, oh, you think you're an adult at 18 years old, at 23 years old, at whatever, you know, that time is. Yeah. You look back, I look back at that now and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, I was... I may as well have, like, just been bought mitzvah. I feel, like, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like I was literally stupid until three years ago. Yeah. And I think it's also it's also knowing <laughs> that you're stupid yeah. is adulthood. Yes. I feel yeah. like you think you're so, you think you have it all and you're so yeah. smart and you're so with it when you're younger. And it's like, you can't make a movie about actually knowing yourself until right. you're at least 28. Yeah, yeah, at least. I also, I have a theory. So I have been saying this um, for years, but no one heard me say it. So you'll just have to believe that I was <laughs> saying this. But I was like, I do feel like rom-coms were going to be coming back for a bunch of other industry reasons that are not interesting. But I think also we haven't seen a lot of millennial love stories. Like Mm -hmm. we haven't had people that age like showing what it's like when we date and when we fall in love and we do all this. And I think now you're starting to see more like it doesn't look like when Harry met Sally for us. No, You know, it looks like texting and like you know, stalking someone on Instagram. Like that's, that's a that's lot. That's love. Yeah, that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's being three years deep in yeah. someone's tagged photos. Right, exactly. <laughs> is love. And it's oh so nice to see these stories now where it's like, oh yeah, this is how we do this. And like, we actually can relate to mm-hmm. the relationships uh, that we see on screen in, in movies like yours. And also where marriage is not an inevitability anymore. You know, it's yeah, like right. people are kind of open to things maybe falling apart more, you know, like, like single dem is more explored in addition to relationships. You know? Yeah, I think all of that is what, you know, I think 
When going into this, I, I, what I really wanted to put on screen was a story about these three women. And I also think that romantic comedy can be reframed in the way that we look at the word romantic, because mm -hmm. I think that their friendship is extremely romantic. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, people are like, it's not a rom-com. And I'm like, it just broad and romantic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of like just it doesn't have to be a woman and a man and it doesn't have to be like them being end game. Like yeah. you can still have romance without it being about them ending up together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I'm really excited. And, and you know, the the trailer for Always Be By Maybe came out mm -hmm. today. That looks fucking great. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love the idea of, you know, exploring the, you know, what happens when yeah. the person that you call at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, actually finds someone. Right. Yeah. That's, no. that's real. Your best friends actually are your soulmates. And 100%. we don't often get to see that. Like, and normally in a romantic comedy, that film, your film would have ended with, I, I don't want to give it away, but it would have ended a very different way. I there isn't, there's a point in the movie where, Traditionally, it's where it would have ended. Yeah, yeah. And we we yeah. we learn a there is a twist, but that is that's what the ending would have been if this movie had been made 10, 15 years ago. One hundred percent. The studio would have made me do it, right. even right. if I had had it in the script that way. And we tested the movie, mm. and the audience wanted it to end there. Yeah, right. like I would say, half of the audience wanted it to end there. And God bless Netflix, they were like, no, that's yeah. not that's not the movie we're making. Yeah. This gives so me good. hope that like Judy Greer type roles will now be treated with like soul. You know what I, I know. mean? Like best friend types no, will be treated. Just as yeah. Judy Greer. <laughs> also, like I have loved Britney Snow. Since American Dreams, oh, you guys yeah. remember that? You remember I that? Movie? Yes, yeah. I was obsessed with that with that show. She is so funny. Dewanda Wise has the best eyes of a human being, <laughs> I think, on the planet. She's beautiful, and it's she, insane. And she was, um, she was amazing. Yeah. But it really, like, I felt like, you know, because I lived in New York right after college, and I was like, this was, this was my life. Like you fully felt that and you felt it with your friends. And mm. like, I think too, you know, the sort of seminal female friendship stories would be like a sex in the city. Mm -hmm. um, although that was what gay men thought women sounded like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we were right. Well, yeah, right. Well, yeah. Is, yeah. I feel like Hollywood thinks women and gay men are the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 That's very true. Well, I'm yeah. just like, people will be like, a gay man wrote it. I'm like, so that's not a woman. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it was like, I felt like hearing even just like something as innocuous as like them calling each other bitch all the time, which like knowing that a woman wrote it for whatever reason makes me feel sure. better about that sure. than like some dude way. sitting down and writing it. But yeah. um, the dynamic between the three of them was like so comforting. Yeah. Can we also discuss your choices with casting? I have to say that this was like the movie I feel like I've been asking for for years. There's so often I'll see a movie that is a good movie, but I'm like, wow. So like the clerk couldn't have been like Asian, the, like right. this, you know, like this random person on skateboard couldn't have been, you know, like a black person. And it didn't feel like it was overkill or didn't feel like you were pushing it down our throats. It just felt very authentic. And I really, really loved that. Like that friendship group, looked like my friendship group coming out of college. We're Latina, two blacks, and a white woman. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that, that, like that's literally our group, and that's just what it is. And I really, I felt seen, and I felt like that was very Thank authentic you. and great. And we don't normally get to see that a lot of times. So was that something that was front of mind for you when you were writing this? A hundred percent. It was, it was, it was in putting the movie together, it was something that was really important to me. And I knew that I wanted it to feel, because I think, you know, and in casting, like, all the love interests, like, mm -hmm. I really wanted it to be purposeful because mm -hmm. it's like, when you just put people of color in something to put them in something and you don't think about the dynamic correctly, right. you're not, do like, I think, like, for me, I was never going to put 
uh, a white woman and a black man mm. together in this mm-hmm. movie because I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't. I think that we keep seeing men of color with the yeah. with yeah. the mm-hmm. white woman, yeah. and like I don't. That's just not my shit. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. With Dewanda and her love interests, I was like, okay, it's Dewanda. I want to show a queer black love story. That mm-hmm. is something Beautiful. that I I yeah. want to show. It was very purposeful. And then with you know the and then the the rest of the casting is like that's what New York looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, you know, Jabuki and Michelle. And- yeah. Oh, right. His yeah. big Jabuki yes. fucking killed it. <laughs> it was so stupid in the best way. Like, yes. he, was, he yes. was so stupid. And I, he was unbelievable. But he is that kid that, like, it always yes. has food coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, the way that we, I wanted the apartment to look like Tom Hanks' apartment in Big. <laughs> yeah. And then the other note that I gave was, like, I want it to be filled with shit that he passed on the street. And he was like, oh, that's fun. Money, take that right because well. <laughs> like that type of rich kid just like thinks they can take anything yeah, yeah. and they have so much dumb shit in their apartment <laughs> like there's a literal like full parking cone thing <laughs> behind him in that scene yeah and just there's like a whole other movie to me of him trying to take like broad city style care oh, yeah the city. He, he also he just he that character is like a dim millennial in a way i hadn't seen before because so often you just hear like the he's you know, the sort of insta story what oh no he's, he's like 11 years old or something right he would yeah, be yeah. gen z yeah gen z? Uh, is that what it is is that the letter we're using i think that is a letter this is an important that is an important psa because in you know in your movie they're all 30 years old they're about to turn 30 mm-hmm. that's how old millennials are yeah like people older people now are just like anyone Who's who looks 12. younger than yeah. me <laughs> is a millennial right. and it's like no we're adults yeah we've done shit kind right. of kind of oh my god am i the only one here who's not technically a millennial are you not technically? I'm not a millennial. If Beyonce's a millennial, you're a millennial. Beyonce's tech, I've looked this up. She's technically a millennial. Because it's like I'm 1980 like, I'm on, or something. I'm on the yeah. border. Well, I'm on the border. Okay. I'm yeah. slightly older. I mean, thank you. That's fine. <laughs> but, you know. You look like a millennial and that's what yeah. counts. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> we must discuss, of course, the music in this movie. Uh, I saw you did an interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly where you're talking about the mixtape nature of... Uh, the music in this film. But first of all, your impact, because one, Supercut by Lord re- came back on the iTunes charts. Yes. And and then on the video charts, Lil Kim's The Jump Off. It was also, number one on YouTube. Yes. Let me just say, first of all, Justice for the Jump Off, which was not a hit at the time, which was what I was listening to in 2003. So thank yes. you for bringing that yes. back. Yes. Millennial style. Yes. 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 I brought back Lil Kim on Easter. Did, you, did, she, <laughs> did you see her tweet? Yes. Tweet, like, I, I, Because I was like, I had just finished watching the movie. I watched it on Easter and I was like, oh my God, this song is hot because of this movie. Yeah, right. Kim was just like, thank you, Jesus. And that was what her tweet said. Yeah. I was like, wasn't Jesus. (laughs) It was Jen. But I'll take it. Um, Yeah, Jesus is at Coachella. Jesus totally would have gone to Coachella. But I assume like these songs were uh, meaningful to you in some way if they were so specifically chosen. Yeah, like a a lot of them, a lot of them, what I wanted it to be was like songs that were meaningful to me, which like International Players Anthem and Supercut and The Jump Off. And mm. and then I wanted the rest to kind of feel like discoveries. Like uh, Lizzo, Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Truth it. Hurts is uh, number 17 or something yeah. on the global Spotify charts right now. Right. Nice. It's like crazy. I love it. And also the way you used the music, like when when Truth Hurts is playing, it's just like that scene. And I feel like the way the music, like it drives me crazy. It doesn't drive me crazy, but I like when 
uh, the characters are listening to the music that we're listening to. Yeah. And you feel like we are in this together. And I think that makes the music choices have to be more deliberate. Like, mm. it's not just, oh, this sounds great and it looks good with the visuals. It's like, would they be listening to this? And so I think that with a lot of your songs, I was like, I believe that this song was is playing somehow. <laughs> in this scene. Yeah, I think that that's also like, I feel like there's always a disconnect between filmmaker and subject Mm -hmm. in a lot of these, especially romantic comedies, because it's like you have a young cast, but like the director's older, the music supervisor's Mm -hmm. some like older, usually white guy. Yeah, yeah. Not (laughs) his scene, just the scene. Yeah, He's not putting Lizzo in that film. Yeah, (laughs) so I think that there, there, it was such a strong connection because it's like, it's so born out of me and I am the same age as the girls and it's like, it's all our story. So it was so organic to make that playlist and have it fit seamlessly in there. Like Vampire Weekend's written into the script. Mm -hmm. Like that was always the trigger. That was always what brought her back into that place. Cause it's like, that was the, that was the shit I was listening to when I was, you know, 20 years old. Yeah. I love, so I heard too that Gina Rodriguez and DeWanda Wise have like this crazy connection. They went to NYU together. Oh, wow. They were the yeah. only two women of color in their class at NYU. Oh, and, wow. And I the Atlantic Theater Company. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, so they go <laughs> yeah. way back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, way wow. back. And in the film, they, they've gone to NYU. Like, yeah. it was this. It was like, insane. And cool. you didn't, I mean, when you were writing the script. No. I'm going to guess you didn't know that. Didn't know that <laughs> and didn't, like, I, I wrote the script without anyone in mind. Yeah. And then I wanted Gina. And then Gina called me mm-hmm. and was like, yo. You have to sit down with DeWanda Wise. Yeah. She is Aaron. She is excellence. She like she is everything that we need because DeWanda had just fallen out of Captain Marvel because mm-hmm. of scheduling. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with her and she was I mean, she's she's like a mixture of Rihanna and the second coming of Angela Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that I, is about the highest really praise a human could ever, could yeah, ever get. She, like everything about her. I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm sitting with royalty. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know what to say. Uh, I don't think I have to say anything. <laughs> She's just perfect. Yeah, and, perfect. And then Brittany Snow, uh, that's a it's a hard thing, I think, to to be the white woman mm-hmm. in that group of friends right. in a, in a film. I think that like if that chemistry is not there, you're gonna stick out and it's just not gonna feel real, especially when Dewanda and Gina go back. 10 years. Right, right, right. And sh- the what Britney Snow did with that character, not just because Britney Snow is an incredible person and truly did fit into the sisterhood mm-hmm. and like the four of us have become incredibly close, but she just like, what a like Italian kissy fingers <laughs> performance that she yeah. gives in this movie. She's, She's great. so good at being that like unexpected type A character. Yeah. And sh- I, she's, she's so small. <laughs> Like small, <laughs> yeah. both physically and also just like the things that she does and the choices she yeah, makes. Yeah, They're so little, but they're so they're, funny. You know, yeah. and I felt like sort of to, to what Kelly was saying, you watch Britney Snow and I believe that she's friends with these girls. Yeah. Because like, there's not every white girl mm-hmm. you put with the two of them and you, you. I would have just thought if it was the wrong actress, you're like, oh, they needed a white person. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. As opposed, they were, they're like, they. the studio made them put a white person in because I think you see that a lot in movies sure. now as when you see more diverse stories being told and there is a white person that clearly someone was like, well, you, white people need a reason to see it. Put one of them in it. <laughs> and you don't believe those relationships. I'm like, these people are not friends and not because people of color and white people aren't friends, but it's just... It- no, it's the it's the like, it's the like paint by numbers yes. version mm-hmm. of a film where it's like you're, ch- you're checking the boxes and so like we'll put this person in and we'll put this yes. person in. And I do feel like we got extremely lucky with, with the entire cast in that... 
it all just feels like they know each other. It feels like yeah. you're watching like a piece of New York and I think it it's it, really cohesive. And the cameo, I mean, are we, we're not calling them cameos, but like the the other cast of characters that we come across is also stacked. You have RuPaul, oh, yeah. Jabuki, um, Rosario. Rosario Dawson. Alex like, Moffat. Yeah, yes. like Peter Vack. Yes. Michelle Buteau. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle Buteau. Mm-hmm. Michelle Buteau. Uh, she was so funny. But yeah, it was like such a... That uh, entire scene is, is improvised. No. Was yes. it? She's like, brilliant. I was the, wondering. Yes. The only thing in the script is her saying, bitch, please. And then <laughs> Gina's monologue about San Francisco. And then I was just like, you know what? Just go. I was yeah. like, can you just be actually? Because originally in the script, she's like, she's like, no one gives a fuck about your problems. And I was yeah. like, you know, can you be nice? Can you be like mean and then like be interested? Because I feel like that's so much more than yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Of like a person who's just like, I'm going to insert myself in this until I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's she like just, experimental theater. It's secretly exper- in the middle of this rom-com. <laughs> yes. Literally. Ex- we. I was standing behind. We have like. Two hours of Michelle Buteau. Oh my god! Please talking about release, release the release footage. That, yes, please. it's release. so funny. This Jack, is oh. oh sorry. This is also a small thing, but I think is very important only to people who've lived in New York, which is that. Gina's apartment was the size of a normal New York apartment. Yeah. Like when I saw uh, that, I was like, oh, this cramped ass box. Yeah. You know, but like that is, it literally looks like what an actual New York apartment was. Yeah. Because people who have lived in New York actually wrote this movie. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know, they're just like put them in like truly $8,000 a month apartments. Yeah. Blair and Aaron's is an $8,000 a month apartment. You know what? But I believed that one. I, I believed that they would. I just well, believe, I just think Blair's parents might be playing for it. That, oh, yeah. But Aaron, sure. Aaron also had a line where she's like, oh, I think I'm going to get this $3 million listing today. Yeah. So I assumed that she was doing well in commission checks. Yeah. I think, you know? yeah, yeah. That's so. the thing. Like I wanted all three of them to feel like they were like doing well in their jobs. Because yeah. I think millennial women are, you know, known in the entertainment industry to just be, like, complete fucking flaming dumpster fires <laughs> who, like, can't do anything. Yeah. Right. So I was like, they, they're all going to have jobs, and yeah. we don't need to see them. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they're fine. Right. I just, as somebody who seems, like, kind of fed up with cliches and, like, likes writing movies, directing movies her way, what do you stand? Like, what stuff do you watch that, like, mm. you're obsessed with and oh still God. think about? I just watched Special, which I love. Oh, loved. sure. I've got Ryan O'Connell is yeah, fabulous. I love so him. fabulous. I love. You know, the thing that I, the things that I watch and that I keep watching that I come back to is like, I love anything that's like left of center. Like, I think about like end of the fucking world. Like, that's something mm-hmm. that I loved last year because I was like, this is so weird. This is so left of center. Russian Doll, I really love. Uh, I love Russian, Russian Doll. Too. Russian yeah. Doll was, I'm going to use this word. Perfect. Yeah. I think it was perfect. Perfect. And concise. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like shrill I loved. I just started watching Rami. Mm -hmm. Rami's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Mm -hmm. I will say there is some shit that he's getting away with on that show that a woman, if if it had been a woman (laughs) character. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. No way. You would have gotten the... You know, this really makes her unlikable note. Right. <laughs> 74 times. It, oh is a, it is an interesting thing as, and I, and again, it's, it's a tiny amount of diversity that is, that is pushing through, but it really still, the men still get that fucking leg up. Always. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. wow. Like, Isn't that the way of the world? It's like, we know that. Um, <laughs> this is, I will insert a quick book recommendation here. It's mm. called Invisible Women. Um, it's incredibly depressing. It's basically about how the whole world was designed for men. Like literally like medicine works less well for women. Oh my God. Because they only test on men. Um, we're all going to die in car accidents because they don't design the cars for female bodies. Uh, so we are fucked. And wow. uh, everything is yeah. that woman that fell down the stairs and 
This is so dark. I'm just going to make this so dark. That <laughs> fell down the stairs, the subway stairs, yeah. and died in New York because she was pushing a stroller. Yeah. It's like everything is made for able-bodied men. Yeah. Oh my like, God. if you really start to look at the way the world is designed, yeah. it's all, like, doorways, cha- like, everything yeah. is made not oh for God. us. I it's find great. that thrilling. No, <laughs> no. I win. Listen, no. it's time to fuck some shit up. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta get your lemonade baseball bat and start just, like, <laughs> destroying <laughs> shit. Jen, thank you so much for being here. You're a, a, a doll just period, but your movie is fabulous. Thank and you. Sweet Fish just was fucking fabulous too. Thank you. We'll be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It's spring. Love is everywhere. It is. Wedding season is around the corner. (laughs) Everyone is looking for someone to warm themselves with, Mm. to fight the loneliness away. Mm -hmm. A little gross, Kara. Go ahead. It's a little gross. (laughs) Well, we're getting into something gross. (laughs) So what happens when you're a lowly murderer looking for love? Tinder and Bumble apparently don't give a shit because they both announced (laughs) that George Zimmerman has been banned from their platforms. Last week, someone discovered that George Zimmerman had a Tinder profile and was swiping under the name Carter, which we could get into that. Uh, Tinder took swift action and banned him from using the app. This apparently wasn't the first time he was kicked off of a dating app. Last December, it was revealed that he'd also been using Bumble on an unverified account and Bumble also kicked him off. My favorite thing about this was a woman who was messaging with him and he sends her this very earnest message like, tell me about your perfect date or some bullshit like that. Yes. And she goes, isn't there a special dating site for you and Casey Anthony? Uh, that was my absolute <laughs> favorite. Like, that is incredible. Yes, that was perfect. I'm so glad she took a screenshot of that. I mean, this guy has... I Every day that passes, I cannot believe he's still alive. Yeah. Gotta say. But like... In addition to murdering an innocent teenager, the gall that he has had post that to think that he deserves a normal life is the thing about him that I find most disgusting. I agree. I just really want him to crawl into a hole, go away, and like 
don't resurface. Like, yeah. you quite literally got off with murder. Right. Like, go hide and enjoy the fact that you have some limited freedoms because of that. Yeah. But, like, what you don't do is go on a dating app and say that you really love a, a quiet evening at home to, I guess, Netflix and kill. And <laughs> you like that? You like that? She's writing her packet for Fallon I mean, right I'm here. Trying, <laughs> right? And like literally eat like cheap steakhouse chain food on the couch. Like nobody wants to do that with you, Zimmerman. No. P.S. I'm also offended that the name he was using was Carter. I feel oh, yeah, that's personally right. attacked I'm by that. I'm worried about that. I'm yeah, yeah. personally attacked by that. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Also, I just feel like in general, his whole, I'll say, attitude since uh, Trayvon Martin has been like trolly, like yeah, he, like yeah. he, like it's you're, it's not just that he doesn't go away; it's that he's like snooty for some reason. Yeah, you know, a little like overly empowered. <laughs> well, right. he's I mean, he's gotten into altercations like with the law. There was the day I remember on Twitter when there was a story that George Zimmerman had been shot at, and it was like everyone crossing their fingers. Yeah, and then it turns out that. It was like his car. It was like some shit. Like he's still here. Yeah. But he's he keeps. But it was some sort of road rage thing. Like he was provoking people, and um, which is behavior we've seen him exhibit before. But yeah, it is. It's not just that he won't go away, but that it's really very defiant. Yeah. And it's just like it's. God, he fucking sucks. <laughs> he sucks. Also, I hate to say this, but it makes so much sense why online dating is so horrible. <laughs> because, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, now that I know that you have let murderers slip onto right. the site, because as we discussed before, there is no screening process. Like, Tinder and Bumble, they don't ask, like, have you ever gotten acquitted of murder? Like, right. you know what I mean? Right. Before Something's you, going unsaid. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, when you I mean, apply for a job, yeah. they at least they, ask. They at least if you, ask. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been, you know, convicted for like yeah. a felony yeah. or something, right? But like not on the dating apps. <laughs> on the dating apps, you can quite literally be a very infamous, like escaped murderer, because that's what he's always going to be, I think, yeah, to a yeah. lot of us, and get on Tinder or Bumble and look for love. And now I feel very seen with how things have been going with my... <laughs> now, I consider myself like a jockey of these apps. Like, I'm like a weird, like, dating app, like, connoisseur. Yeah. And I I would say, in general, I pride myself on being able to interpret a lot about people based on what's, whatever, what's in their profile, the first couple things they say to you. His profile, in a way, was so benign that yeah. it actually is even more sinister. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he... So his alias was Carter. He described himself as a consultant at Self-Employed. They okay. all are. So yeah. <laughs> right. They are all consultants. Or, or CEOs. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Entrepreneur. VP. Oh, so it sounds like you don't have a job. That's what that means. Yeah. It'll be like... Activist. V, v, yeah. VP at the streets be listening. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what company is that? I've never, never heard of it. Is it uh, on Forbes list? I, his, <laughs> his bio read... I'm looking for carefree fun. God, fuck you. <laughs> oh, I, I bet you would like to be right. carefree. Exactly. I love outdoors, fishing, camping, and hiking. I love adventure. Not into huge crowd. <laughs> I Not wonder why. I'm also down for a quiet night with Longhorn takeout. I bet you are. One of the pictures featured Zimmerman shirtless wearing sunglasses. I, I literally vomited in my mouth when I looked at that <laughs> photo. Like, I was super disgusted. It just, the thing that I wonder is how long he was allowed to be on Tinder before someone, because, right, like, someone would have had to match with him. Right. And then presumably talk to him for a bit before they could figure it out, because I get how someone might not immediately recognize him. Right. Sure. Um, and so it would have taken someone who knew who he was to have both matched with him, chatted with him a bit, and then figured it out. So, like, we have no idea how long 
he's been on Tinder. But here's the thing, though, and maybe I'm the only person that's done this, but I don't know. Maybe you can feel me on this. <laughs> like, sometimes when you see people that, like, have such a ridiculous profile, maybe you'll, like, swipe in the right direction just to see if you match with them. Like, do you take screenshots of, like, ridiculous profiles and send oh, it to sure. your friends? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, all the time. So, I mean, maybe somebody, like— match with them just so they could be like, wait, are you really this person? Because a right. lot of times people will also use photos of like famous people. Right. Mm-hmm. Like to be funny or to be like, I don't know, ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In some way. So maybe somebody was like, there's no way that Trayvon Martin's killer is looking for love on Bumble. No, you right. If, like, it's like if I were on Grinder and somebody had Ann Coulter as their picture, I'm like, oh, maybe they're hilarious. Right, right. Exactly. I, I would hope it wasn't Ann Coulter, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then to your surprise, you right. find out it actually is Ann That Coulter. I'm in love with Ann Coulter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it could have been something like that, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Just be like fun at bar night. I don't know. No, it's just he I I, I want to know if he ever went out with someone. Oh, yeah. Ew. You know, and that like, like and how long did it take them to figure anything out? You know, what makes me furious? Like I, Trayvon Martin was like a very specific and intense incident for me sure. where it was. I think it was the age I was at mm-hmm. when it all started. There was a kid named Dan Ray Henry who was killed by the police when I was in college, too. And he was mm. from um, a town outside of Boston. And I was going to school in the area. And, like, he was very similar to a kid that I knew. Mm. And, like, they'd grown up together. And it was the first time I was, I was really like, oh, that's, like, that's my friend. Right. And the difference between there's no difference and that easily could have been him. And I think that that was something, too, with Trayvon where you looked at him and so many of us were like, that's, like, my cousin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. like, your little brother brother and it really really hurt in a and all of these all of these killings hurt but also you know it wasn't a cop like we expect cops to get away with shooting black people for right. no reason right but that it was just this fucking like vigilante asshole yeah who got away with it and so i think about the fact that like for hopefully not the rest of my life, but like for so long now, we're just going to still have to hear about George Zimmerman. And then just every day you're like that motherfucker's alive and Trayvon Martin's dead. I know it's it's truly unfortunate. And um, I mean, you know, even kind of reading this story, as you probably just were thinking about, brought back so many horrible memories yeah. of what it felt like. Like I was one of those people who watched every ounce of that pre-trial, mm-hmm. trial, everything. And I was definitely one of the people who was visibly shaken, yeah. you know, when when it came to a not guilty verdict. I mean, I thought that was horrible, and I felt like that was such, like, an error in justice. And, um, and it hurt then, and it hurts now. And the idea that this man is out here um, being visible and living his life, all I think is, you know, Trayvon Martin will never get a chance yeah. to online online date or, or you know, go into a crowd or, yeah, or yeah, just yeah. kind of live his life and be the adult that he should be right now because he was taken down as a teenager because his skin color was criminalized by some yeah. dickhead. Yeah. And also specifically, so th- something about George Zimmerman, my memory of that whole thing was just he was clinging to like a strand of a joke of an alibi. So it's just yeah. like yeah. the fact that like, I mean, obvious, obviously it was a grave injustice that he got off, whatever. But just like I am still that's still on my mind. Like it is such everything about you was such a joke during right. that scenario, in addition to being monstrous. Right. And so now I'm thinking, not only do you feel entitled to act like a human being in public, but like you you somehow think it's not embarrassing to be yourself in yeah. public. Like you should be so 
so uh, mortified. So, so I don't know. That's human. Like he was never, he <laughs> yeah. was never contrite. Like there was never any like remorse, remorse at None. all. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, I think what like leaves the taste in so many people's mouths. And mm-hmm. you know what I've been seeing, we've been seeing people now harassing like Alex Jones, like people like that trying to go out to dinner and people are rightly, I think, you know, like we don't want you here. Yeah, you're, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And I don't understand how George Zimmerman steps out of his goddamn house. You should be throwing lemons at him. Not Ariana Grande. <laughs> That's what you need to be doing. Like, I don't understand how he leaves his house without people yeah. constantly just like get the fuck out of here. Like, that's what he deserves. He deserves to be completely marginalized. He shouldn't, he should fear leaving his house. There is also right. something about dating apps, though, where it's almost savvy of him because it's only exposing yourself to like a few people at a time. So sure. you're less likely to sort of spark oh, yeah. outrage. Yeah. So, in a way, like, he probably thought he was getting away with something. Can you believe it? He thought he was getting he away with something. That's true. George Zimmerman, you don't deserve love. And dating apps are hard enough, oh my God. guys, without yeah. without literal murderers yes. trying to swipe with us. Yeah, I'm trying to be over here having a conversation about the gym with a stranger. I'm already stressed. Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't want to hear about, you know, um, how a bag of Skittles scared you into a murder. Yeah. You know, like, I, like, where do you start we with already, a conversation? We already have a, you already have enough research you got to do you before do. you, like, agree to meet, especially a woman to uh, meet a man in public. Oh my God, you Google search the hell you out of Google him. You got to Google search. I got to be like, Kelly, I'm dropping the pin. This is where I will be. <laughs> like, w- w- this is his license plate. Yes. Like, we can barely. <laughs> and then like, if you watch Catfish and you do the thing where you take someone's photo and you drop it in a Google oh, image, yeah. imagine if you didn't know that Carter was actually George Zimmerman and Ooh. you drop that, those images into like the Google thing. Ooh. Like, oh. how much therapy do you need after you know you've sent you're him like sitting, a bra you're pic sitting or there something? The, like, you're sitting there at the Buffalo Wild Wings, like, oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, Is this oh who's my coming? God. That's like out of a what Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Right. Right. <sighs> when Ooh. we're back, guys, keep it. And now we come to the most cynical but joyous part of the show, Mm. Keep It, which is named after the show Keep It, where we tell something to keep it, Kelly. (laughs) Okay. And in fact, shall we start with you, Kelly? Sure, we can. Who do you want to throw your Keep It at? Okay, so this is super embarrassing because it requires me to own up to something, but I'm going to throw my Keep It at Spice. Do you know who Spice is? I do not. Let me tell you why you don't know who Spice is. (laughs) (laughs) Spice is on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, and Spice believes that she is the biggest act to come out of Jamaica, which is so funny when you think about, you know, Lady Saw, Shabba Ranks, and 20 other people who could say that beforehand. But this entire season of Love and Hip Hop, she has been on this kind of, I want to bleach my skin because I'm dark-skinned tirade. So Uh where this started from is like an A&R guy or something said to her, you need, there's something awesome. Off with your look. And she somehow interpreted that to mean that she was dark skin and that kind of sent her like on this downward spiral of wanting to go full Sammy Sosa. But the thing about it. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Wow. I mean, okay. and it, it's, she's ridiculous and it looks ridiculous. But I was like, I feel like he was just saying your lace front was off. Like, that's what I, that's what I thought. Sure. So now she started this campaign, like black hypocrisy. Oh, and she no. wants to speak on behalf of dark skinned women everywhere to, you know, bolster self-esteem. Hey, Spice. <laughs> Don't speak for me. That is not a platform I want to get behind (laughs) at all. Yes, colorism is something that I think we should constantly be talking about and addressing in the black community and outside the black community, because I know that other, you know, um, 
groups of color also experience this yeah. as well. Um, however, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Where on one side of the coin, you're saying, I'm beautiful, melanin, blah, 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 hashtag this, <laughs> hashtag that. And then the other side where you literally are trying to drench yourself in skin bleach Oof. and going to a dermatologist who told you that you probably should consider counseling before <laughs> you do this because that shit sounds crazy as hell. Also, she looked ridiculous because she did whiten her skin for the cover of Black Hypocrisy and Sammy Sosa looked perfect by comparison. Oh. No. Ooh. I need her to keep all of that. Do you remember <laughs> the first time you saw a picture of Sammy Sosa Yeah. post whatever it is that he did? I thought it was like a joke or that it was I mean like I didn't I didn't know that was something that people Do you remember that meme like Baba that weird ghost thing? <laughs> Not the Baba Duke? That. Okay, yeah. He kind of looks like that. <laughs> didn't he? Am I am I rem- I I could be remembering what okay, that was. Okay, so multiply that by 25,000 and that's what's how bad she looks. Oh wow. So that's- yeah, I mean it's horrible. You know who also like Azealia Banks our our just most <laughs> problematic problematic just, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. she's just so hard, but she was um, um, she was doing that. She was selling bleaching cream, as has Black China. Really? She, um, Azalea Banks, like, was publicly like, "I'm bleaching my skin," and yeah. like, very proud of it. Yeah. And then you had Black China, which, ooh, girl, you had an opportunity of a life. The opportunity that Jordan Woods yeah. has just grabbed and <laughs> run with. Right. Black China let that slip through her fingers. Yes. Um, and she went to, I want to say, Nigeria or a country in Africa and was selling um, skin bleaching cream. Yes. Like door to door? Like in a campaign. Like Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad. And I think it's something that we need to be talking about and addressing. I mean, as somebody who grew up definitely hearing I was blue black or navy black or yeah. mama burned me too long in the oven or tar baby, I certainly have sensitivities to that as an adult woman, mm-hmm. throwing back to my childhood right now. But I think that it does a disservice to say... Well, my my skin is beautiful, even though people have beat me up for it all my life. But you know what? I think I'm going to dip myself in a little bit of bleach. Well, that sounds like, you know, I've been seeing a lot of things recently where you think that should have been a DM. That should have been a test. <laughs> like things that people are tweeting each other. It's like, ooh, that should have been private. Right. That's like, that should be for your therapist. Yes, yes, exactly. Don't put it on BH1. Yeah. But now that you've there. mentioned Jordan Woods, I do hope this is resolved somewhat on Red Table Talk. I mean. Yeah, bring you it can there, only somebody. Hope. Yes. You know, I mean, because she is one of the biggest acts to come out of Jamaica. So <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Kara, shall we throw it to you? What's my your keep, keep it. it this week? Yes. Yeah, so my keep it is to whoever threw a lemon at Ariana Grande at Coachella. Oh God! Was this the no. second week or the first the week? The second week. It was this past weekend when I was there. And I think it's twofold. So there's two readings of it. One, it's someone threw a lemon because, you know, Beyonce lemonade, like lemons and bees have sort of become uh. things that like they'll use to talk about Beyonce. And so one reading of it is that they threw the lemon at Ariana because they were, what, mad that Beyonce didn't show up and do the performance of a fucking lifetime two years in a row. <laughs> or two, why you're just throwing shit at her. Why the right. fuck are you throwing things at it's people? It's an act of violence. Like, why are you, like, like why are you throwing things at someone who's performing for your goddamn benefit like i just don't and also someone would have had to been pretty close so it's like you waited you know what i mean like you waited hours you maybe like are in a diaper i don't know i don't know how those people (laughs) manage to be out there that close yes Mm -hmm. and to throw something just like I, I don't understand it um and then i think the 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 extension of that is just generally keep it to like 
standships are. This is a lot larger conversation that yeah. we probably need to have, but it's just like these stands. Um, it's just fine to love who you love, and it doesn't mean you have to hate another artist. I it's agree. just it's so bizarre, and it's like you do know that. Most Coachellas have happened without Beyonce. Right. <laughs> Historically. Historically. Right. I would say almost all of them <laughs> have happened without Beyonce. So it's like, do you plan on forever now throwing fucking lemons at whoever's headlining a show? That's rude. It's just, it's rude. It's stupid. Did they it's hit violent. her? I think it kind of hit her. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, no. I, along with that, I think I've brought this up before on Keep It, but I really am always suspicious of people who only stand one thing. Like right. you should really be into a community of things right. because if you're only into one thing, I can tell you have two much of a personal stake in that person. They mean too much. Like, you think you are them or something. Yeah. Like, there's some weird projection weird. going on. Yeah, yeah. And weird. you're absolutely going to get disappointed. Yeah. One way or another. Like, it's just setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, And don't harass women while they're doing their job, yes. assholes. P.S. Absolutely. Mainly that. Particularly no. if she's three foot nine and a lemon could, what, knock like, her off knock the stage? <laughs> it was kind of Wendy, too. I was like, she was in these, she could fly off. Oh, no. If that ponytail gets off balance, exactly. it's like a right. whole thing. Let yeah. her work. No. Let her do her job. Please, please. Plus, I love Ari, as you know. Yeah, no, she was. I, I came out recently yeah. as, as a fan. And, <laughs> you know, I just don't like the idea that somebody is throwing like fruit. That's not even like the sweet it's just fruit so, ever. It's not, that's something out of a Garfield comic when he's <laughs> performing on the fence. <laughs> that, is, that is. That's mean. It's super mean. I'm sorry on behalf of that quote unquote Coachella fan. Ari. Yeah. You, you, you don't need to apologize for those low lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now it's my turn. It's Lewis, your turn. Something will now be kept. Oh, I can't wait. It's um, good. Here's the thing. I hate saying keep it to something I love. And I'm going to say... Except you do love saying keep okay, it to something. Okay, that's, that's all I know. Never mind. <laughs> it's the only thing I like. Um, I'm saying keep it right now to the television series Jeopardy, which Ooh. along with Wheat Thins and Sigourney Weaver's <laughs> performance in Working Girl are the only three things I love. <laughs> there is a champion right now named James Holzauer, who is, I think of as of this taping, has won 12 or 13 times. Jesus. He, um, the most anybody has ever won is 74 games. That's wow. Ken Jennings. Second place is... 20 games. The guy who had 74 games averaged about 30 something thousand dollars a game. This guy averages more than $70,000 a game. Jeez. He has set the the record for the top 5 wins on Jeopardy. His wow. highest score is $130,000 a game. He won $130,000 wow. in Jeopardy? It is earth shattering. <laughs> and also like all people who are programmed for pain and programmed for victory on Jeopardy, he doesn't even look like he is recalling the information. It is simply waiting to be like spit back out. And his buzzer speed is so crazy. Now you think this would be someone empowering to a Jeopardy viewer. Like, sure. wow, like how amazing are sure. you? My entire focus during this effing game <laughs> is spent watching the other two people next to him yeah. try to buzz in and just ghosts appearing in their <laughs> eyes where a soul once was. As the game begins, you know how Jeopardy works? Like they announce all three of the contestants. Yeah. I literally look at them. I sit there like stoic, you know, no life in my eyes. I look at them and I just think, you're going to lose. I just, <laughs> there's no joy. It's not a competition anymore. It's simply one man dominating and I'm happy that somebody is that good, but I'm worried if he will ever leave. Well, <laughs> did you feel this way about Ken Jennings? Yes. 
Okay. You I did, did. Like, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but you know what? Ken Jennings also was able to joke around a little bit. Like he mm. like threw he some humanity in there. Whereas this mm. guy is simply like one of the Transformers. Like he just like <laughs> arrives at the pedestal and like spits okay. out like robo trivia. Yeah. He's you not know? making it fun. So yeah. you want like a term limit of sorts? Yes. A Jeopardy Oh, situation? how many games would you do? Yeah. I'm going to say if he could end at about 24, I would be fine <laughs> with that. Do you think there should be a limit? No. See, that's the thing. Mm. I also fear that he's going to lose and then sometime miraculously. And then I'll think, oh, no, wait, I miss him now. Mm. So then you're really not giving him up in Jeopardy. I feel I feel like you're going to like. It's a keep it, in there. Yes. It's a keep it to the dread I feel watching him <laughs> and to the eventual mourning I will feel right. when he is gone. Right. Well, is Tara it reads keep books. It to... They're complicated feelings. <laughs> is it? It's probably that the show that you love, like it's it feels different. Like, it this feels is, a little out of control. Yeah. So it feels yeah. like you are your sort of safety blanket has some holes in it. Yes. Correct. Like a yeah. warlord has taken over and I don't know how benevolent he is. Oh, right. Man. Okay. Yeah. okay. So anyway, love you, Jeopardy. But I am frightened of you. <laughs> and uh, and also, I just want to say, as f- I was on Jeopardy years ago, my very limited experience on the show, I couldn't get in three questions in a row against somebody one time. And when that happens to you, you feel like the game is rejecting you. You feel like oh, you can't yeah. like pl- you're like, oh, I'm impotent or whatever. <laughs> and this guy, if this guy beat me, say, 20 questions in a row, yeah. I'm telling you, I would be calling Glad and suing this bitch for like some homophobic yeah. shit. I would like be finding feels, an angle on him. racist. Yes, yeah. exactly. No, I, agree. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, uh, again, afraid of him. Love the show. Just want things to be normal. Wow. Guys, well. you can't see it. Although you can, but Lewis is in a puddle. I was gonna say he had to. He had to say keep it to the joy of his life and uh, right. There's steam coming out. Should of my we just eyes. end keep it now? Yeah, right. Like just the show. Everything's been kept. I- yeah. Ira will come back and we'll be like, oh no, we we did that. Right yeah. now it's just him and his fall. monologues with the French accent. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I think Ira's just gonna stay in Cleveland. Oh, because I've put up bars around the whole city. You can't leave. Oh, fantastic. Then I'm just coming back then. Yeah, you'll be back. Easy. Perfect. Done. Love it. And thank you so much to Jen Robinson for talking with us today. You can watch Someone Great on Netflix. Until next week with (laughs) Kelly Carter Forever. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.